Hey Restoration family, today's service was a little different. Instead of a normal message, we heard stories of God's faithfulness and answered prayer in the lives of people right here in our community. If you want to learn more about who we are and how you can get connected, go to restorationlex.com slash next steps. Thanks for listening. As we're coming into Thanksgiving, coming into this moment, Hannah's, Hannah's obviously, she got a weekend off this weekend with family, which is great. And we wanted to take an opportunity, whoever was here, just to be uh, intentional about gratitude and about sharing stories of how God has been at work in our community. Um, one of the things I've learned as a pastor over the past couple of years, especially since COVID and since everything happened, is, is how much prayer matters to the fabric of our community. And we want to make investments in our time and our energy and our focus on being a prayerful church. I was challenged this week thinking about Jesus' words. You see here on the screen, he says this in Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This is a pretty astounding statement on behalf of Jesus, encouraging us to come to him with dependence. We live in a culture that is saturated by self-sufficiency and cynicism. And every single week when we walk into a room like this, we have been washed day in and day out by what we consume, by what consumes us, and being self-sufficient and being cynical about things around us. But prayer and gatherings in the Spirit like this are built on the opposite of those things, on dependence and on expectation, on depending on the Holy Spirit for His movement and work in our lives and for expecting Him to do that. And so in the face this morning of a world of self-sufficiency and independence, we bring dependence on Jesus. In a world that is drowning in cynicism, that would rather hold what God can do, the miraculous, the beautiful answered prayers that we hear sometimes that often hold ourselves at length, we bring expectation in place of that cynicism. That's what I want to invite you to this morning, is to walk out of places of self-sufficiency and into dependence on the Holy Spirit. Walk out of mindsets of cynicism and doubt and confusion into the expectation that God is here. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now dwells in you, dwells among us. And because of that, we come with expectation for Him to move. Amen? So with that being said, we have a couple of stories this morning from people right here in our church of how God has been at work breaking through in powerful ways. And we share these stories because we want you to not only have your faith encouraged, but to expect the same kind of things in your journey. Because I want to come back to a service in the weeks and months ahead where you're sharing how God broke through in your life, and we get to hear how you experience the Holy Spirit as we gather. So I want to invite up one of my favorite people, Miss Heather Schmoker. Let's welcome her. She's going to share a little bit of her story today. Am I there? Ah, there I am. 
Well, I have a mission trip coming up. This is not unusual for me. This is one of the joys of my life. I love going wherever, whenever. If you ask me if, if I can get the time off from work, trust me, I'll be there. Um, but I'm going to Honduras. I've gone with this group before. It's a group out of Frankfurt. And I wasn't super excited about going on this trip. I mean, I'll go anywhere, anytime. But my dad showed interest. Now, my dad's not a Christian. I'm like, you want to go? I, I'm in. <laughs> now it's my big focus. So, you know, that, that's really my biggest reason for going. It's a medical trip. I set up the pharmacy. I do what I do. I have a fantastic time doing it. But my dad and then my daughter said, ooh, I can go with Grandpa? And I'm like, Heck, you know, if we can reach them, that's, that's huge. So my dad went to some of the meetings, and he's been to some of them, and he, he suggested applying for a grant from a foundation that his cousin has. And I went, huh, never thought of that. So because I've gone with this group before and I know the, the mission group and what we do and the work that we do, I got to take on applying for the grant. Now, total supplies budget for this trip is about $17,000. It's a very church-led, spirit-led group. It's a, we have no idea where the money's coming from, but here's what our budget is. So my dad suggested applying for this grant, set expectations really low. He's like, I don't know if they'll grant it or not. They've really not supported Christian groups before, but, you know, it's worth trying. And he suggested I apply for maybe $5,000. Um, well, I stressed and stressed over it because that's what I do. And I, I'm not a great writer, and I stressed over writing it. I wrote it in bullet points. It was just bullet points of here's what we do, here's what we could do with the money, and still I didn't know how much to apply for. So I talked to everybody in sight, told everybody how I was stressing because that's what I do. And I ended up applying for the full $17,000. I thought, they can always reduce it. You know, they, I'd be thrilled with any amount. $1,000 towards it, great. That's one little, little less that we have to do fundraising for. They granted the entire $17,000 with a but. So the but was, so I got the phone call, and they, they wanted to know what we would do with more. I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> so now I had to go through, talk to people again, find out what we would do with more, and write it again. And I asked for help. I, I was getting nowhere. I asked for someone else to write it. He gave me a three or four page. Here, here's what you can submit. I was like, no, they won't read that much. They're more ADHD than I am. So again, I got it down to about three quarters of a page. And my cousin who I was talking to that's on the board, he said, you know, I don't know what the rest of the board's thinking, but, you know, I'm thinking that maybe another 13000 to bring it up to a nice round, 30000 That you know, that, that might be where we're thinking. Again, I, did I do that? No. I asked for another 20000 It would double our supplies include the setup costs, and then we could have two full locations. Because we'd been dreaming of having a second location, so we can have two full medical clinics going. They granted it. They sent two checks for a total of $37,000. And, you know, 
everybody keeps congratulating me. And I'm like, I, I'm just following what God has led me to do. I love going on these trips. And I, I don't know that I would have been bold enough on my own thoughts to ask for $37,000. But yet that's what God granted. And it's not a Christian group that supplied the money. It, like I said, this is probably the first Christian group that they've supported. And it's just been amazing. And just the listening to God through the whole process. Now, I need to encourage my daughter, who's as much of a procrastinator as I am, to get her personal fundraising done. Because the one thing that the grant can't cover is any of our personal expenses. So all of our travel there, our, we've dealt with airfare already, but you know, just all of the bus ride and all the food and hotel and everything while we're there. So right now my prayer is that she actually starts working on that because the money's due soon. Um, and there's, there's so many other things that God has done in my life. You know, ask me one-on-one. -on -one. I'm much more comfortable one-on-one -on -one than standing up here. This is, this is not where I'm comfortable at all. Um, but my prayer right now is that God, that I let God lead and that I follow. Because I still feel like I'm pushing because I want things to go so well. I want God to reach my dad. But that's not my power. But I feel like I'm still pushing. So I'm still praying that I let God lead um, because none of it's in my control. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Alicia Sims, and excuse me, I'm just going to make myself comfortable up here. Um, and uh, my husband, Josh, and I have been part of Restoration for just over two years now. We uh, have two children, our daughter, who is seven, her name is Lillian, and then Caleb, who just recently turned a year old. And I was super excited when they asked me to share about my miracle boy, because he is a complete miracle. All babies are miracles. But his birth is certainly one. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention my first miracle baby, because I, I have two. And uh, so to give you a little bit of context for his birth, I wanted to start from there briefly. Uh, my husband and I got married in 2011. And in 2013, I was diagnosed with PCOS something that a lot of women um, have been diagnosed with. And one of the implications of that is that it can cause infertility. I remember finding out and being really upset and crying, just thinking, you know, we weren't talking about having kids yet, but just knowing that that could be a factor. Um, and again, upset, but also in the back of my mind thinking, like, yeah, that's not going to be us, though, because infertile is a word used to describe other people, not me. Um, and so, you know, dealt with it, but just kept on. And eventually baby fever sets in and we decide we're, we're ready. And nothing happens. 
Um, months go by and still nothing. Um, but here's the thing about me. I am not super patient or good at waiting. So I'm like, let's see what we can do about this. So we go to the doctor, figure out what's going on. Um, and pretty early on, we decided like, this is the line for us. This is as far as we're willing to go with fertility treatments. Um, and then at that point, we'll consider adoption because it had always been part of the conversation anyways. So one day we get a call from the doctor, this is the latest result with the path that we are moving forward and the next steps were beyond the line that we had already set. And so I called Josh and I said, okay, this is what they said. Uh, so I guess we're adopting and he's like, yep, sounds like it. And we were able to switch gears. Now again, I am not one to just sit back. So I very quickly started researching adoption agencies and I think I probably finished a home study faster than anyone because if there's anything I can do to control the situation and make it go faster, I'm gonna do that. Um, and so we go through that process. Uh, if you know anything about adoption, and I know there's a lot of families here that do, there's a lot of hurry up and wait. And so for the next, year plus, that's what we did. And it was not an easy year. Um, we were pursuing a private adoption and we matched with birth moms uh, three different times. And every single time it just kept falling through. And the last one, it was August of 2016. And it was pretty terrible. There had been some fraud and the agency was not great that was involved in that situation. There had been a lot of lying and things, um, and we were pretty broken at that point. And we had decided that we were going to just take a break, like we just couldn't do it anymore. And so we were actually going to pull our adoption profile and then just reevaluate at the beginning of the following year. But we hadn't actually yet communicated that to the adoption agency. So on August 27th of 2016, it was a Saturday, we were running our errands, doing our thing, come home, I lay down, I take a nap, and I wake up to a call from the adoption agency. And she says, there's a baby girl born in Louisville this morning the birth mom wants to meet you, can you get here? So that's what we did. It was the quietest drive ever because we were just shocked and um, terrified, but also really excited. And that was the very first day I got to meet my daughter, Lillian, and hold her. We got to stay in the hospital with her for those next few days and bring her home. And she's been ours ever since. Um, I honestly forget that I did not birth that child. <laughs> she is our baby girl. Um, and she has brought so much joy to our family, like from the newborn stage all throughout, like, for those of you that know her, she's just like got a sparkle in her eye. Um, I know all parents adore their children, but man, I adore this girl. Uh, and so over the next few years, God just kept answering major prayers, both for my family, but also for me personally. Uh, I was struggling in a career that I very much did not want to be in and was really wrestling with feeling some call towards ministry, but not knowing what that would look like. And when Lillian was about six months old, the Lord opened the doors for me to leave my job and take a job at Step by Step, where I'm currently today, Plug for Step by Step. We work with young single moms, and it's amazing. If you don't know about it, you should. Um, and that has just been a game changer, allowing me to grow in gifts and um, really live out a passion and a calling. 
And then a few years after that, God fulfilled another desire of mine. Um, I had always wanted to be able to go to seminary, but I grew up in a tradition that said women don't do that. So that was barrier number one. Um, but then once I got over that, uh, it turns out it's really expensive. So I didn't know how that was going to happen either. But the Lord opened the doors and paid for me to start taking classes at Asbury Seminary. And so I was able to do that. So by 2021, I was really living my dream. Um, I perfect little family of three. I am loving the work that I get to do at Step by Step, and I'm getting to take these classes. And I'm a learner. I love books. I love studying. So I was living my best life. Um, but this desire to have a baby started coming back up, and. I was so grateful for Lillian, and I didn't want to, like, be greedy and be like, I need more because God already gave me this beautiful child. But this desire was arising, and I didn't know what to do with it, to be honest, because Josh and I had talked, and we felt very confident that we were not interested, nor did we feel like God was calling us to pursue another private adoption. Um, we know a lot of people who are foster families and have adopted through the foster system. And we were actually in a situation where we were helping care for a child in an emergency situation and started taking classes and pursuing that route. And the Lord made it very clear that that was not what we were supposed to do either. Um, and then the third option of fertility treatments was just, again, not something that we felt led to or any desire to pursue. So we really were at a point where we'd have conversations and say, you know, we always imagined having more children, but if that's going to happen, God's just going to have to do it because there's nothing we can do to make this happen on our own. And so that's just kind of where it sat. So fall, again, 2021, I signed up for classes, and one of the classes that I got to take, I was so excited, was a class on the theology of healing with Dr. Steve Siemens. Um, he was a professor that was on my list of somebody I wanted to take a class with. I had read several of his books and really admired him both as a scholar, but also just his pastor, um, his pastoral heart. And so I signed up for this class, uh, and it was awesome. It was a hybrid format, so most of the work was online, but there were two weekends that I got to go in person. And the second one was uh, actually, it was Veterans Day uh, and in November. So we're in person all Friday in class, and as part of it, he had different people come and share their testimonies of ways that God had healed them, all different kinds of healing, from mental health, physical healings, emotional healings, from childhood wounds, all sorts of testimonies. And on this particular night, a woman shared an incredible testimony of how God had healed her of a debilitating chronic illness, one she had suffered with for over 10 years, uh, and it was at the point where it was about to kill her. And God miraculously and instantaneously healed her body. And at the end of that night, Dr. Siemens opened it up and he said, I feel like there's people here who want to ask God for healing. So we're going to open it up, and if that's you, just stand up, and those around you, we're going to come around you, and we're going to pray for healing for you. I sat there and um, immediately felt the Lord say in my heart, ask me to heal your womb. 
now it's easy to think like, okay, yeah, like, of course, ask God to heal your womb. You have this opportunity. But I hesitated. Because I had asked God that many, many times <laughs> for years. And it had never been answered before. And so I really struggled, one, with not wanting to feel like I was treating God like a genie of, I should just ask you this and you should just give it to me. But also, I didn't want to be left disappointed again. I didn't want to ask yet again, get my hopes up yet again, and have them dashed yet again. Because to be real honest, it just made me feel dumb every time. And I hated that. I did not want to be left feeling foolish. And yet I feel the Lord press again upon my heart. And this time he said, would you just be bold enough to ask me? So I stood up. I stood up and the women I'd become friends with in this class surrounded me, including the woman that had shared her testimony and they all prayed over me. And I remember driving home that night and just thinking like, I don't really know what just happened. I don't know if something miraculous happened or if it was just ordinary prayer. But what I did know is I felt different because in that moment I had experienced the presence and the love of God. And I felt a shift. And so either way, regardless of what happened after that, I felt okay because um, I got to experience that moment in prayer with other people. And that was really powerful. So it's November, come December, you know, I'm moving on with my life. Uh, ironically enough, decide we've got this leftover baby stuff in the attic. It's just taking up space. I don't expect anything to happen. So let's just get rid of all that. Got rid of all the remaining baby stuff from Lillian. Um, early January, Lillian starts coming up to me and saying, Mommy, you've got a baby in your belly. And I'm like, girl, don't go starting rumors. Like, I need you to not have people asking me questions because at this point I knew that I was not. Uh, and sure enough, by the end of January, early February, I start feeling kind of funny. Um, well... I'd been through the fertility journey before, and if you're a woman who has experienced that, then you may relate to that feeling of every single month thinking, am I, am I not? You kind of play this imagination game in your head where like you pretend that you are and then you take a test and it's really disappointing when you're not. Um, and so I just kept this to myself because again, I don't want anyone to know that I'm thinking this and I don't want to be left feeling stupid when it's not true. So I just held on to that feeling for several days and then finally decided I can't take this anymore. Just take a test so I can see the negative and move on with my life, put this chapter behind me. Um, but again, I don't want anyone to know about it, so I paid for it with cash so it wouldn't show up on a credit card statement. <laughs> I waited until uh, Lillian was in bed. Josh was like busy watching a basketball game or something. I was going to take it, hide it in the trash. No one was ever going to know. Uh, but sure enough, on February 5th of 2022, I saw something I never thought I would saw, see, and that was a positive result on a pregnancy test. 
Now, I'd always thought before this that if I were to get pregnant, that I would have some really cute way to tell Josh. Thinking of like Aunt Becky and Uncle Jesse in that episode of Full House where she has the baby meal and the baby carrots and the baby this and baby that. Well, all that flew out the window. I immediately run downstairs screaming and crying and waving the pregnancy test in my hand. And meanwhile, Josh had no idea that this was even on my radar or that I was thinking about this. So you can only imagine how shell-shocked he was in that moment. Um, But we just spent that whole rest of the evening just crying and thanking God and looking like this a lot because, holy smokes, what what is happening? Um, And when we finally got a chance to sit down and I told Lily and I said, guess what? You know how you said there was a baby in mommy's belly? you were right. And she looked at me and she said, her little face lit up. It was the sweetest thing. And she goes, really? There is? And I was like, yeah, you were right. And she said, oh, she said, I prayed to Jesus and asked him for a baby. And he said, there was one in your belly. And so it was just so cool because in that moment, not only did God increase my faith, but he demonstrated that to my daughter as well. And so that's how Caleb came to be. But it's so wild because I look back, and again, this isn't just about him healing my womb, which he did. But in that, he healed me. He brought a level of wholeness that I had not experienced. I looked back through my journal of that year, um, preparing to share today, and was reminded of other things in that season that I didn't really remember. And that summer of 2021, I was really, really struggling. Um, I was angry at the church. I was feeling a lot of bitterness and resentment towards people um, and was just hurting and confessing to the Lord that I was angry and I was upset that instead of turning to him, I was trying to numb out and self-medicate And I didn't want to do that anymore, but I didn't know how to let go of control and to let him be God in my life. And through that entire season, he just kept inviting me into his presence. Um, The word that I think of is dwell, to come in and to dwell in the presence of the Lord. And so that's what I did to where by January, instead of struggling with bitterness and unforgiveness, I felt joy. I remember telling Jesus, like, I want to be a minister of joy. And my birthday is February 1st, four days before I found out I was pregnant. And I remember uh, just celebrating, but I also journaled about just how grateful I was for the things that God was doing in me and in my life, how he was healing those parts of my heart and bringing restoration to those parts of my heart. And that was four days before I knew he had answered that prayer. You know, it's really easy to think like we come to him with the big things. Like we know God cares about the big things. But I'm just becoming more and more convinced that just like we say, it's one of our axioms here, that he is already present at, at, and at work. And that is even more true 
than we give him credit for or even understand. Because the healing isn't just for the big things. It's not just for infertility or cancer or making up finances. That it's for the everyday mundane. That he is present and at work in the everyday heartache, in the everyday disappointments, and in the everyday struggle. Just a couple weeks ago, that baby boy was sick. Normal cold, nothing serious. But over the course of the afternoon, he started developing a cough that, as a mom, just kind of freaks you out. It was really barky, and we go to bed, and he's super uncomfortable. And if, you know, you have that night with your child, and you're like, we're, we're just going to be up all night because he can't get comfortable. He doesn't stop coughing. Like, he's miserable, so I'm just mentally trying to prepare myself. And in that moment, I felt convicted that I trust God with the big things. Sometimes it takes some wrestling, let's be honest. But do I trust him with the everyday things? Do I bring him the everyday things? Do I bring him the common cold? And so I just started praying over him. I prayed over his body. I asked Jesus to touch his chest. And I imagined Jesus just touching with his hand on his chest. And let me tell you, that little boy has never been a good sleeper. He slept better that night, sick, than he had in weeks. And when I woke up, it was like, oh, Jesus, you actually care about the little things, like my son's cold. And so that, that is what I want to encourage you with. That whether or not you have the big thing that you are or have been asking God for, that we get to come to him with the everyday thing. Because whether or not we get the outcome we want, we get to experience the healing power and presence of the love of God, which will heal us and bring us wholeness beyond anything else that possibly could. My whole, the scripture that was the theme for my whole second half of 2021 was Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have an open invitation to the throne of God. Jesus has made a way for us to enter in God's presence. And we're invited to ask boldly. And so I just wonder what it is that you need to ask Jesus for today. What is it that you have been suppressing, that deep down desire, that longing, that healing? Whether it's something big or it feels something small, what is it that you need Jesus to do for you? 
because we are invited to come and to ask him. Do we let ourselves, do we hold ourselves back? Do we let that fear of feeling foolish stop us? Do we let unbelief stop us? Do we let the weariness stop us? I recently heard a quote from a pastor who said, unbelief is not the opposite of belief. It's believing that things are just going to stay the way that they are. That they're just going to continue on a trajectory. And so I think about what that man said to Jesus. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And so that may, may that be our prayer today. That we would come and ask boldly. That we would believe that because of the power of Jesus, because of the resurrection power that we have access to, that things don't have to be just the way that they are, that it doesn't have to be, oh, that's just, just is what it is. Let it not be said of us that we didn't see God's power or experience miracles because we didn't ask. So we're going to move into a time of prayer. And just as I was invited to that night in November 2021, when I heard a testimony and was invited to bring my own need and desire to the Lord, I offer that invitation to you. Our prayer team is available. I'll be over here. Steve is available to pray as well. How can we walk with you to the throne of grace because that is what we get to do, that we have access to a God who has the power to make us whole and to bring about miracles. So let us ask him boldly. Thank you.